0: We we kicked off a brand new vision for the year. Last year we had a vision phrase called pray first, pray first. And this year we're kicking off a vision called foundations built different. And we said that this year, last year we went into prayer, this year we're going to go into the Bible. We're going to be studying the Bible. And I want to talk to you simply on the topic today of how to study the Bible. How to study the Bible. And now I need to suck your attention back in real quick because the moment you saw that title, you zonked out right there when I said it. You're like, that's not what I want to do. That's not what I came to church for today. You're like, Pastor, I do drugs (laughs) and I need help with the drugs. So That's why I'm here at church today. You got to help me out. I got things in my life going on. I got bills to pay. I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, this is the sermon you need to hear. I promise you. In fact, I don't think I'm overstating this next, this next statement, but I'm going to say it and I mean it. This could be the most important week in your journey with God. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I think about what I'm going to share with you today. This could be the most important week in your journey with God. Because if you know what this actually is and what this can actually do in your life, this is why so many of us need to hear this message, listen, because there's so many of us here today who are anxious. So many of us are anxious, worried about the bills, worried about health, worried about the person you love. But if you knew what you had, right here is an actual, this is the actual documents. This is, I didn't make this up. This is JJ and Liz's last will and testament. These are the real document. We have had these guarded by security and all this, because personal information in here. And so this is this is important. In here is also the life insurance plan. Should I die? This is right here. What's in this paper? What's in this little old Manila folder? i was looking at it now. I should probably find a more secure location. But what's in this little Manila folder right here? It's got enough to provide for my family, take care of my kids. It's all in here. It's it's good. The insurance plan I got. is good. It's just enough. It's enough to take care of the kids and to take care of Liz, but not so much that she would try and have me killed. (laughs) That's right where you want your life insurance plan to be. (laughs) Enough to take care of everybody, but not enough to hire a hitman. That's what she wants. And so, and this is so important because this is all in here, and the other day I was hanging out with my wife and I was like, hey, do you know where these documents are? Do you know how to find these? And she was all like, I don't know, they're somewhere, somewhere. Like, well, that's not going to help you if I die. <laughs> you need to know you can have all the provision that you need, but it doesn't help you if you don't know how to find it. Yeah. That will help you out. What I'm telling you is you have got so much provision in here, so much resource in here, so much promise in here, so much blessing in here, but in your time of need, if you don't know how to find what you're looking for, that's good. Yeah. you won't be able to claim what's been purchased. Woo! That's good. That's good. Here's why you need today's message. Because not only are so many of us anxious, but so many of us are needing direction. Where do I go? What do I do? Is he boyfriend or is he a husband? Is this a career or is this a job? Do I move to Florida do I stay in New York or do I move somewhere in the middle? I don't know what's in the middle. What's in the middle? South Carolina. (laughs) That's not true. Is that true? Let's say it is. What do I do, God? And I'm going to tell you, you don't have to freak out because you got, you got a map. Except just like this map, it's not going to help you that much if you don't know. Yeah, see, because this is your map right here. This is what you got. This is the Bible. Yeah, see, because before they had GPS, y'all Gen Zers don't know. (laughs) When my dad took a trip to Florida from New York, we went to Disney World and we didn't know where we were going, he didn't have ways. He didn't have Apple maps, he didn't have Google maps, he had the gas station. We would go to the gas station, we buy one of these, he popped on top of the hood and he put out a ruler and he was like one inch equals one mile and then he went down here and then we got the legend and we got to add it all up. It was a formula. (laughs) This map is everything you need to know to get everywhere you got to get. But if I gave you this map in the middle of the woods, you dead. Because it doesn't help you if you don't know how to read it. No one ever taught us how to read it. They just gave it to us. But if I can teach you how to read it today, which I plan on doing, you'll be able to read the directions to where you got to go in life. I think this book will help us because so many of us, listen, we're not just anxious. We don't just need direction. So many of us are ready to build. We're ready. Like we've been scrapping and we've been surviving for like too long. We've been on the bottom for just too long. We're ready. Like I'm ready. 2024, this is going to be it. It's going to be the year I finally build my character. This is going to be the year I finally build my kids on the rock. This is going to be the year my life with God gets straight. This is going to be the year. And if you want to be someone who builds, awesome. I got exactly the thing you need. Amen. Amen. You know what this is? These are the exact blueprints to Journey Church. These are blueprints. Yo, if you got the Bible, you got blueprints. This right here, this is every wall. This is every door. This is every electrical socket. Everything you need to know to build this church is in these papers. Go build it. Can't do it. Why? Because even though we have the plan, this one will preach. Hopefully, it'll hit home. We don't know how to apply it. Wow. We got the Bible, but no one ever taught us how to turn the Bible into behavior. So we just got stories, and this person became this person's father, and this person became this. But we don't know how to turn that into Monday, to build that into Tuesday. We got to be taught that. That's what I'm going to do today. This is why it's that important. And not just because I'm going to teach you how. How is only three-quarters of the formula. Here's the other quarter, maybe even the half. You also got to know who. If you want to read the Bible, understand it and let it transform your life and not just be another book on the shelf, you got to know how and you got to know who. What I love about Journey Church is that for whatever reason, God has given us this very special anointing. Every Sunday there are people in the seats, and you might be one of them who are either here for the first time, and when I mean here, I mean here at a church for the first time or at a church for the first time in a long time. And you think what brought you here was someone's invitation, you're wrong. What brought you here, listen, were the whispers of God. God whispered to you through that invitation of your friend. Sometimes God whispers through people. Other times, God whispers through the environment. Sometimes you stare at the stars and you're like, there's gotta be something out there. It's too big for it to just be us. It's just, it's got, sometimes you look at the sunset and you go, there has to be a creator. That's too beautiful of a picture to have just. Spontaneously combusted out of nowhere. Somebody had to make this. Other times God will whisper to you, listen, not as you're staring at the stars, but as you're staring at your ceiling in your bed at night. Because if he doesn't whisper to you through an invitation, whisper to you through your environment, a lot of times he'll whisper to you through your emptiness. You'll sit at home, good day at work. No reason to be sad staring at the ceiling, there's got to be more to life. Something inside me doesn't feel complete. Listen to me. God whispers to us through the world, but he reveals himself to us through his word. When he wants to show you who he really he'll whisper to you to get you here. But once you're here, what he wants to tell you about himself is going to be in here. When Pastor Liz and I first started talking, and I say talking like not including the time that I was stalking her from a distance. But like when conversation actually happened, it was because she sent me a text. And it was on Valentine's Day. And we'll probably talk more about this in our Love, Sex and Marriage series in February when we tag team teach. But and the text said, happy heart day. She sent it on Valentine's Day. I got the text that said happy heart day. I was like, oh, dang. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So I was like, well, what am I going to write back? I was pressured. you know. But but I'm good with words, so I was like, alright, I can I can do this. So I texted back, I said, make sure you spend it with someone who makes you smile. Now that was my low-key way of trying to find out if she had a man. Cause if she'd have been like, I will, I'm gonna hang out with him at two. I'd have been like, okay, good to know. Right? So I'm just, so I threw it out there, you know? Allie hoping for the oop, you know? And so just threw it out there. Then she wrote back. Y'all want to know what she wrote back? She ain't in the service. So I'm, I'm going to blow up a spot right now. This is, she wrote back this after I wrote back. So make sure you spend it with someone who makes you smile. She said, well, then when are you coming to Orlando? And then we started talking, and I'm so grateful that she did that. And in fact, like three years later, by that point we had already gotten married, I told her, I said, you remember when you first texted me? I said, I'm so glad I told her you sent that text, because had you not sent that text, I don't think we ever would have had a conversation, because I was so nervous around you, because you were just way more beautiful than I ever thought I could ever be with or get with. And so I'm so glad you sent that text. She said, what text? (laughs) I said, I said, happy heart day on Valentine's. She said. Oh, that was a mass text. (laughs) She said, I sent that to everybody in my contact list. I was like, a whole marriage is a sham. It's a shit built on a lie. I was so crazy. And the crazy- I'm so glad I didn't know if it was it was a mass text. Because had I known it was a mass text, I would not have replied. Do not treat the Bible like a mass text. It might seem like it was written to all of humanity, but on a deep, and you can feel it, on a deep, internal, supernatural level, you and I both know it was written for you. And, and he's waiting for your reply. Don't leave God on red. He wrote you a love letter, wants you to know He thinks the world of you. Now what you got to say, because it's for you and for me not for all just the world for you and for me and if you want to know who god is it says it right there john 1 1 in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god right here is jesus right here is the lord everything you need to know about him the real god by the way not the ricky bobby version you know, I'm talking about Talladega nights, they all get around the table and they're like, I like my baby Jesus. The other one is like, I like tuxedo shirt Jesus, because it's like he's business but chilling. And the other guy's like, I like my Jesus with long hair playing the Van Halen music and angel wings coming in the back. Everybody got a version of Jesus. This is, you want to know the, the Jesus? The one in these papers. That's the one. And so if you want to know him and feel his heart for you, get inside of it and he'll tell you who, who he is. So you need to know the who, you need to know the how. Now the Holy Spirit today is gonna to do the who. As I'm speaking, God's gonna reveal himself to you. But my job today is to show you how. How to study the Bible. Because sometimes the way we do it, it is you know the way we I want to say the way we're taught, because we haven't been taught, but the way we just try and figure it out, it can be tough. Like a lot of times we we'll just we just think it's any other book. So we'll just start at Genesis and we we'll just start reading. Which is cool in the beginning, because Genesis is awesome. Genesis is like a Spanish novela. This guy's sleeping with this girl, and they had this kid, and that guy dies, but he actually got a twin. <laughs> Coming out of nowhere, and it's exciting, man. And then you get to Exodus, and that's where all the movies come from. Prince of Egypt, Boys to Men, I will get there, Right? That's great. And then we get to Leviticus, and we die. And if you're not laughing, it's because you've never read Leviticus. You start reading about laws about cotton and mold, foot fungus, and you're like, I'm out. I'm out. You lost me a foot fungus. I'm done. I think another another system that we use that's never good, I, I call it uh, I call it the finger of faith. You know what the finger of faith is? The finger of faith. The finger of faith is when you need something like, all right, God. Go ahead, Lord. This is it. This is my word. In the name of Jesus. If you can speak in tongues, right here's when you do it. And then you just, I just write, ha, what's the word you got for me? Be careful when you do that, man. Bam, Lord. Matthew 27 5. So Judas threw the money in the temple, then went away and hanged himself. I'm sorry, I ate that red light, Lord. I didn't know that would be the consequences. <laughs> oh, man, be careful. My son wanted to try that in the back. He was like, Dad, yeah, he said in second service. He was like, I want to do the finger of faith. I was like, did not you hear the message? It was not to do it. He goes, no, I want to do it. I was like, all right, so he did it. It's a true story. He goes, roll a heavy stone over here. <laughs> he was like, I'm confused. I was like, that's why you don't do that. Roll that heavy stuff. <laughs> I love it. All right. So how are we going to do it? Um, I got to apologize to our twelve and thirty service here. Because we had printed out these um, awesome note guides called how to have devotional time. Because I'm about to get in right now. And it's a lot of content. So we wanted to give you something you could follow along with. But unfortunately um, people started taking two and three and four of friends. So I think some people got them. I do see them out here. Raise your hand if you got them. All right, some people got them and I think we might have run out with others. If we did run out, uh, then there's a QR code on the screen uh, behind me. You can scan that and get a digital one. Now let me just tell you why I cut it this way. Here's why I cut it this way. There's a lot of QR code scanning today. We're going to put so many resources in your hand. I swear you're going to feel like you got seminary, Bible college today, all right. We did it this size, listen, so that it can fit in your Bible so that when you're studying your Bible tomorrow and you open it up and you can use it as a bookmark and you can, actually, you can actually follow along so you know how to study it. Isn't that cool? We're trying to make it accessible for you. I don't know why I'm more excited about that than you are, but I'm, I'm pumped about it. I hope you enjoy it. We work hard on these little things. And so I do pray that you can use it. I just, I just think faith needs to be used. You know, it's got to be applicable. You got to use it. So it's going to bless you. And, uh, and, when it, and it's not just how to study your Bible, but how to have devotional time. Because last year I taught about prayer and I just, I just felt like somebody in the audience is going to hear this message and be like, but Pastor, last year you told us to find time to pray. This year you're telling us to find time to read the Bible. I don't have time. What do, I, do I pray or do I read my Bible? And so last year, if you remember, I told you the way that we pray is P-R-A-Y. P-R-A-Y. Praise, read, ask, yield. And so we got that. P, pray, sing a song out loud. R, read the Bible. A, ask, what do you need God to do in your life? What does someone that you love need God to do in your life? He tells you. He asks you to ask him. And then why? Yield. Give it to him. Right? So I'm not going to go through each one of those. That's a whole other sermon for another time. But I actually preached that message already, so you don't got to wait. You can go home and watch that sermon. It's called When I Don't Know What to Say When I Pray. It's on YouTube. You can follow it. All today's fill in the blanks revolve around read. So you're actually going to be studying your Bible while you're praying. It's together. Somebody say together. Yeah, you don't have to separate it. You don't have to find time for that and find time for this. You can do it all together. Once you praise, open up your Bible and start to read. And I'm going to tell you exactly how to do it and exactly how to get in. The first thing you're going to do is want to choose a time, a place, and a plan. Choose a time, a place, and a plan. Now listen, I'm not going to be one of those preachers that say, read the Bible whenever it's the most convenient for you. No, read it in the morning. Read it in the morning. Whenever it's most convenient, fine. If you absolutely can't do the morning because you work night shifts or because you got a young child at home or something like that, but if you can, man, read it in the morning. Why? Remember the last time you went to work and you had the radio on and then that catchy song came on, then you shut it off, then you went to work and while you were in all your meetings, you were like, I'm a Barbie girl, you know, just in your head, just back and forth, back and forth, just just locked in there, just won't get out. You know what I'm talking about? Nobody's ever happened to anybody. The lyrics all day, right? You just can't get that song out of your head. Here's why you got to read the Bible in the morning, so you can get the lyrics stuck in your head. So that you set the soundtrack for the rest of your day. So that everything you hear gets filtered through what you're reading. So important. Let it be first. Then choose a place. You know, it could be your office, it could be your kitchen, table with a cup of coffee, whatever it is, and then choose a plan. Here is a QR code for a Bible plan. You, so, this is a, a, beneath me. This is our one year Bible plan that we partnered with the Bible Project. Go ahead and put the QR code on the bottom here. And this is the one we did last uh, Sunday. We, we revealed this to you guys. I think it's important that you don't just like, you know, just the finger of faith it. Every day that you're like, no, I'm gonna. The verses that I'm gonna read today are already pre planned. I already know which ones I'm gonna read. So you can sign up for this plan. And let me just tell you about this plan real quick it's a one year Bible plan, it's awesome, but it's a tool, not a weight. I don't want you to be on this plan, you miss a day, and then you're like, oh no, God, I missed the last circle. You don't love me anymore. There's no badges in heaven. For, there's badges in the version Bible app. But there's no badges in heaven for finishing the Bible at a certain time. It's not a race to be finished. It's a rhythm to be established. That's great. Yeah. I don't care if you finish the whole Bible in a year. Yes, that's the goal. Yes, that's the plan. Yes, that's the vision. But if something happens that throws you off, the goal is not that you finish it. The goal is you establish a rhythm of your life of going to the word of God every morning. That's the real goal. So if you miss a day, skip a beat, just jump back on it the next day. It's okay. You don't lose points. There are no points. All right? And so hope this blesses you, that plan. It's really good. Once you find the plan and you got the Bible verse, the next thing you need to do is choose a translation you understand. Choose a translation you understand. Why do you have to choose a translation you understand? Because the Bible wasn't written in English. The Bible was written in three different languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. And many years ago, scholars all over the world helped translate the Bible into the English language. The only problem is that it was done many, 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 many years ago. The King James Version, for example, one of the most popular versions of the Bible in existence, was translated in the year 1611. 1611. Raise your hand if you think the English language has changed since 1611. Keep your hand raised if you think the language has been changed since this morning. English language changes quick. I was in the car with my son the other day, I was going to preach at a cultural conference that weekend. And I was like, all right, y'all got to help me out because I'm preaching to the youth. I haven't preached to just youth probably in years, so you got to help me with my language. I got to get some words in. So I saw an opportunity to try and use a word that I thought was the right word to use. And I just wanted to test how hip I was at my age, and so Justice was like, "I don't like Orlando. Orlando's whack or whatever." And I was like, "What are you kidding, man? What?" I was like, "Orlando got Riz." (laughs) Justice ain't looked at me like, "Don't do that, man. Don't don't do that." I'm like, "What are you talking about? Orlando got Riz. Like we on the up and up. Like that's what Riz mean, on the rise." We're rising up. They're like, that's not what it means, Dad. I'm like, how are you telling me? I'm a preacher. Words are my job. And they're like, Dad, it's not what it means. So I went on UrbanDictionary.com, which by the way, tell me how old you are without telling me how old you are. (laughs) You visited UrbanDictionary.com. And I typed in Riz and they were right. It's short for charisma. And it doesn't mean what I thought it meant at all. It meant to like be able to have the gift of speaking, or, or in our people, is the context of women, which is again definitely not what I was implying about Orlando. <laughs> and so, made no sense. And so, man, just sister, I'd only say that, and not to just be funny. Is that have you ever read the Bible and it feels like another language? It's because it actually might be another language. So you got to find the right translation it's in your language. And I'm going to suggest to you four different versions that you could read from. There are over 300 different English translations, but I don't think you want to put all the work in the researching and the studying, so I'm narrowing it down for you. Um, based on my research and study, these are the four best. People are going to at me in the comments, people are going to disagree with me, people are not going to like what I said. It's just my opinion, and I'll explain why, all right. The four translations that I would suggest you to read from are the New Living Translation, that's LLC, the New International Version, that's the NIV. The English Standard Version, that's the ESV, and the NKJV, which is the new King James Version. And the reason why I separated them two, if you're taking notes, all right, is because these four versions, they're they're different. The ESV and the NKJV are word-for-word translations. Word-for-word. The NLT and the NIV are thought-for-thought translations, thought-for-thought. That's all the -the fill-in-the-blanks there. okay? And and to give you an example of the difference, I'm lucky enough to be um, barely bilingual. I'm barely bilingual. But I I know enough, and and I can understand that there's some things in English that translate that don't translate in Spanish. Like for example, I'm also from New York, so this morning it's cold, but if I was hanging out with a friend outside, I'd be like, yo, it's brick, (laughs) it's brick outside. Now I don't know why brick means cold, but for whatever reason, Brick means cold in New York. It's brick. All right. Now, if I would, if a Spanish person had heard me say that and was asking an English person, can you tell me what he just said? If they said, he said, está ladrillo. Now, the people who are laughing are the people who speak Spanish because they're like, homeboy just said it's a brick. It's a physical brick. And they would totally be lost, because what that translator just did was he did a word for word translation. That's word for word. Had he translated it thought for thought, even though I said brick, he would have said esta frio. That's thought for thought. So when you're reading the Bible, I always recommend, especially beginners, start with the NIV, start with the NLT, because you might read a word in the ESV or the NKG that is not what the author implied, it's just what he said. Does that make sense? That's why the versions look so different. So jump on the, NLV and the NLT or the NIV, find one of those. I also want to give an honorable mention, there's another blank on your, on your card. It says commentary and I want to just throw out there the message version. The message version is great, but the reason why I didn't include it is because it's not a true translation, it's a commentary. It's one person's perspective on what? All of those verses say, and let me just also say, the comment, message is great. I love it. I preach from it sometimes. It's awesome. I'm not putting it down. I just It's not a translation technically. It's more of a commentary. And that's why I have it that way. All right. Once we got the translation, we got the verse, now we're going to jump in and we're going to do observation. Observation. Someone say observation. Observation. What is observation? Observation is what is God trying to tell me? What is God trying to show me? Now ready? This is my rule of thumb. You're not going to like this, but it's so good. Ready? If something confuses you, interests you, or offends you, pause. God's trying to speak to you. This is how you know God's trying to speak to you. If you're reading something and it don't make sense, it's because he's calling you deeper. Pause. Do the study. Try and study. Figure out why it's confusing. There's a revelation in there somewhere. If something interests you, I want to find out more about that. Stop. Do the study. Find out what it is. And if something offends you, have you ever read the Bible and you're like, I don't agree? <laughs> God says something, and you're like, no. That's not the way I would do it. You know, like, remember you ever read the Bible and it's like, if someone hits you, give you the cheek? Yeah, right. <laughs> I disagree. <laughs> I don't, don't, that that's the best way to handle that. <laughs> right? I'm going to call the cops. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I'm not going that route, right? Like, pause. God might be trying to shape you. There might be something inside you that yeah. doesn't align with God. That's why he's rubbing the wrong way. Ooh. Yeah. I'm going to preach that message in two weeks. You're going to come back on the 28th for that one. Or maybe not. <laughs> maybe you stay home for that one. Tap in a friend or something. But... Uh, it's it's good. So let me give you an example of how this works in my life. The other day I was reading a passage, this is my Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 12 through 13. And I could not get past it for whatever reason. Now I'm not preaching this verse to you today. I'm just telling you how I did it in my own devotional time. Because I only preach to you the things that I'm living in my life. And so, 1 Corinthians 7, 12 through 13. If a fellow believer has a wife who is not a believer and she is willing to continue living with him, he must not leave her. For whatever reason, my eyes could not get off of this passage. Keep it on underneath me while I was reading it. I was just stuck. The Holy Spirit inside of me was pulling me to it. Now, when I say Holy Spirit, all I'm talking to is God inside of me. Because when we begin a relationship with God, God doesn't just live in heaven any longer. He lives in heaven, but He also lives inside of you and me, giving us the nudges and the inclinations and the pushes and the pauses. So He was just put, pausing me. He was like, stay here, stay here. I just felt it. As I kept reading, my attention kept coming back to this, which really confused me. Because as far as I know, my wife is a believer. And, and as far as I know, she got no plans on leaving me. So I had no idea why God kept pulling me to this passage, kept pulling me to this passage. And then finally, I, so I prayed. I said, Lord, speak to me. I don't know why you got my attention on speak to me. And I finally felt the Holy Spirit speak to me. And he's because I was going through something. And I will share it with you because it's between me and the Lord. And he was telling me, I'm showing you this passage because what I'm trying to teach you is. I didn't save you so that you could escape your situation. I saved you so that you could transform your situation. And if you can't transform it, let it transform you. And I sat on that and I thought, oh, that's really good. Now to get that from this, which is a marriage verse, seems like I'm using it out of what it meant to be. But the reason why I can get that meaning from that passage is because the entire context — someone say context. Someone say context of 1 Corinthians, if you read the whole book, is about not ignoring sin but dealing with it, which is so important that I got a truth out of the Bible that was within the context of what the chapter was saying. Because mad times, that's my New York coming out one more time. But a lot of times, listen to me, I will get things from the Bible that God is telling me that God is not trying to tell me. Say it again. (laughs) Well, (laughs) talk about it. Have you ever read the Bible and before God says anything, you've already pre-decided what the answer is going to be? Come on now, you acting <laughs> fake right now. In theology, we got two terms for that. We got one called exegesis. That's when you take meaning out of the Bible. What the Bible says, you take meaning out. The other term we got to be careful for in theology is called Ice to Jesus is when you put meaning into the Bible. So, so you wanna stay with him. So when it says don't be unequally yoked with somebody, you like he's just talking about my phone plan. I need more minutes and the phone, no data on the for this unequal to my my life situation. And, and you've already decided beforehand, you gotta be careful. Like, How do I know what I'm taking out of the Bible is actually what God is saying and not what I want it to say? Here's how you know. Here's how you know. You understand the context. Understand the the whole thing. Because the Bible only looks like a book. It's actually a library. The Bible is made up of 66 different books written by more than 40 authors spanning over 1,500 years, and these authors are from all bunch of different socioeconomic backgrounds, farmers, doctors, politicians, but all inspired by the one Holy Spirit. So it's one story. Here's what I know about the fact that it's one story. You got to hear the whole story to make sense of the piece of the story. Or the piece, you can misjudge it, you can misread it, you can read into it. For example, if I were to show you what I got my wife for Christmas, what would you think of me? This is what I got my wife for Christmas, put it on the screen. Look at you judging. I got my wife an exercise bike for Christmas and somewhere, depending on who you are, somebody over there is like mad at me right now, how dare you insinuate to your beautiful wife that she needs to lose weight. How dare you get her a bite? Don't you, it's insensitive. That's such a selfish gift. You're a jerk. <laughs> Is that what the J and JJ stands for? <laughs> jerk, jerk. <laughs> Time out. What if I told you she asked for it? Then what if I told you she went online and picked out the one she wanted? (laughs) Then what if I told you she got on Facebook Marketplace, went over to their house, drove the car, they loaded it up, she drove it back to my house where the only thing I did was pay for it and set it up. (laughs) Does that change the way you see the meaning of that bike? It should because now you got the whole story. You got the context. You need the context to understand the meaning of the piece. And now we're going to start filling in those blanks. I'm going to give you three contexts real fast. Here they come. Here's the first context you got to have the biblical context. Let me translate that. In other words, what do the verses around that verse say about that verse? Because don't just take one verse and build a whole lifestyle on one verse if you don't take the rest into context. Because remember, it's one big story. You can get in trouble. You can get in trouble with that. Let me give you an example of how you can get in trouble with that. First first Kings 11.3, now watch out, and King Solomon had 700 wives and 300 side pieces. That's, that's what a concubine is. That's a side piece. 300 of them. You better not build your life. You better come home after church today. Talking like, babe, Solomon was the wisest king of all time. Maybe he knew something. I'm just saying, what if this family got a little bit bigger? That can't be so bad. Uh-uh. Don't do it. Don't do it because you're not taking into the context of the whole story. First off, find somebody in the Bible who married more than one wife, and every time they did it, some crazy bad happened. Every single time. Like I'm going to throw out some names you might or might not know them, but they're in the Bible. You got Abraham, you got his wife Sarai, and you got this other one named Hagar. And the moment they get involved, boom, something bad happens. You got Jacob, and you got Rachel, and you got Leah, boom, something bad happens. You got David, all his wives, and their kids killed each other. It's a whole nother level of your mama joke when you ain't got the same mama. I can just see them just cracking each other at the dinner table. Your mama, your mama's a concubine. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say about my mama? <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you heard me, fool. She's a concubine. My mama's a wife. I'm having too much fun right now. That's <laughs> <Too> much fun. <laughs> man, they all kill each other, man. It don't work. It don't work. It's not good. And that's silly. I hope they strike that from the recording. (laughs) You got to take the whole Bible into consideration. Look what the New Testament said, 1 Timothy 3.2, and we must be above reproach the husband of? Uh, Proverbs 5.18, let's go back to the Old Testament, may you rejoice in the singular, the wife of your youth. In fact, we don't even got to go far from 1 Kings 11.3, let's just finish the verse. He has 700 wives, 300 concubines, and in fact, they did turn his heart away from the Lord. You need context. So don't take one verse and build a lifestyle on it. You need to study the whole Bible, read the whole thing. That's a lot of work reading the whole thing. Are you ready? The Bible was designed to be read over a lifetime. It was written in a way to draw you in every day so that you can't possibly read it in one day and get the whole picture. You got to keep coming back and keep coming back. That's why I could be preaching it. 50 years old one day, and I'm gonna be preaching new stuff that I've never preached before because I'm learning new stuff because it's designed to be digested and watched and read you over a lifetime. All right, the next context is the historical cultural context. Historical cultural context. It feels like Bible college, right? Just to save y'all thousands of dollars of tuition right now. We're jumping in. We're jumping in. This is the worst it'll get as far as understanding this one. All right, this one's tough. This one's tough. All right. I told y'all some people were going to leave the church when I started preaching the Bible and I said that last week. And so now we're going to test it out today. We're going to see how many, uh, we we'll to see if that section is open up next, next Sunday over there on that side. That's our extra, extra section. So we'll see. Here we go. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12. I do not permit a woman to teach or assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. Before you start nudging your wife, (laughs) all the women are like, context, context, context. (laughs) We need some context up here. Now here's what we know. We know, are we supposed to take this literally? Quiet? I mean, if we were to take it literally, then, then the only moms that could check in their kids into Journey Kids are the moms who speak sign language. Because you gotta be quiet. So the moment you come into church, you're like. (laughs) Obviously, it doesn't mean that. Does it mean you can't sing? Because it said quiet. So when the worship comes, are you even allowed to sing? If we take it literally, not even that. What about teaching and preaching? No, you're taking it out of context. It's just me teaching and preaching. Well, it can't even mean that. Why? Because you got to read the whole Bible. Look at the book of Joel and look at the book of Acts. They have the same passage in the Old Testament and the New Testament. God's bringing it together. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, even on my servants, both men and women. I will pour out my spirit in those days. Listen, and the word prophesy there is to speak with divine utterance, authority, and power. So God is saying, in the last days, these days, I'm gonna pour out my spirit on women, and women are gonna preach with authority and power and anointing. And in the last days, they're gonna do it. Let's take more of the biblical context. Let's take more of the biblical context. You got a woman named Deborah in the Old Testament, who the Bible says was literally a government leader of Israel, a judge. Let's go to the New Testament. You got a woman named Priscilla, who Paul says, I love to go to your church you got a female pastor in the New Testament. And then let's talk about a woman named Junia. They don't want you to know about Junia. Junia, the Bible says, was an Apostle. Do you know what an Apostle is? An Apostle is the pastor of a pastor. They're church planters. And one of them was a woman. So now if it was just one, if there was none, that would be, there's so many in the Bible. So then, Pastor J.J., how are we supposed to understand this then? Because Paul said what he said. So how are we supposed to understand that? If you bring in the historical cultural context, it makes a ton of sense. Because when you look at the book of Ephesians, it was written to the Greek city of Ephesus. The Greek city of Ephesus was also home to the Greek goddess Artemis. The Greek goddess of Artemis with the word God implied, was a woman. Because she was a woman, all of her priests, all of her preachers were female. Paul goes into Ephesus, some of them start giving their lives to Christ. They start to come into the church, but they start to bring in their doctrine into the church with them. And because they were preachers in the Ephesian context, now they start to become preachers in the church context, mixing the Greek teaching with the Christian teaching, which is why Ephesians 1 starts off with a warning against false teachers. He was speaking to the woman right there in that time, in that place. Don't bring that in here. That's not the God that we serve. That's the whole story. It makes sense now. But people will take one verse, one verse and leave the church when Pastor Liz comes up here to preach. And now that I just blew up your whole thing, you're still not coming. (laughs) But that's okay, because it's in the Bible, and that's all I care about preaching, the Bible. I mean, I'm sad that you're sad, but also I'm devoted to preaching the book and everything it says. And now, now, and now remember that you said amen to this, because there's going to come a time where I preach something from it this year, which you're not going to want to say amen to. But your question is not is J.J., is, whats is the Bible is the bible that's the historical cultural context and the last thing you want to understand is the context of the cross the context of the cross what does that mean you got to put everything you read in the context of jesus genesis three fifteen. genesis 3. genesis 3. this is like the beginning of the book the introduction is about to set up the whole thing and i will put enmity that's war between you and the woman and the offspring and, 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 the, and you, and he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. You is the snake, the serpent, the devil, the liar, Satan, Lucifer, right? He said, I'm going to put war between Lucifer and the son of the woman, the son of man, and they will fight. And look how beautiful this is. And the snake will bite his heel, but in biting his heel, he will crush his head. It's a picture of Jesus getting nailed to the cross. But the, his nailing to the cross being the end of the devil. And that sets the whole tone. That sets the whole tone for the rest of the Bible. And you know how I know that it's talking to Jesus? Because read what happens right after that. Right after that, when they're all naked, God takes an animal, the Bible says, cuts open the animal, takes the blood and the skin, puts it on Adam and Eve, and says, Now you're good to go. And if you've read enough of the Bible, I bet I know what that animal was. You know what that animal was? A lamb. It was the sacrifice right there covering our sins. Whenever you read the Bible, you got to read Jesus in it. When David kills Goliath, you're not David. Somebody be reading that story be like, yeah, I'm going to knock that giant out. (laughs) Have you ever heard a preacher that way? You're not David. You're the Israelite on the side of the line, on the sidelines going, somebody please help me." David, the root of David, the son of David, the Messiah, he's the one who steps up and he's like, I got this. David was Jesus fighting the giant that you and I cannot fight on our own. Always see Jesus in it. Here's why this is important. Because you might read some things in the Old Testament that don't make sense until you see Jesus. I had a young person in Journey Youth text me this. He texted me. He said this. He said, hey, JJ, so I've been reading the Bible with my family, it's the one year Bible you told me about, and we've been reading the Old Testament along with the New Testament. I noticed that in the Old Testament God was very strict and like harsh to the people. Yesterday, he's funny, we were reading this one part where Elisha had just become a prophet in the place of Elijah. And there was this group of kids, and they were calling Elisha Baldi and stuff and telling him to go away. And then Elisha just cursed them out. And two bears ate them. All 42 of them. Just mauled them. To me, I thought that's a real Bible story, by the way. To me, I found that weird. And I was trying to ask my mom, but she didn't really help. And so I was wondering. If I can get some insight from you and I and I laughed, I texted him back. I texted him back. Um, he goes to this church, so I had to blank out his name. I say, hey man, I didn't want his mom to slap him. <laughs> He's trying to pass it by me like that, you know. So hey man, great question, I wrote. So in the old testament, what we're really seeing God do is pass judgment. Every time someone is cursed or killed, it's not really the consequence of God's anger but the consequence of their sin. Similar to when a judge throws someone behind bars for a crime they committed, the judge is not being harsh, he's being fair, he's being just. When we read the punishments in the Old Testament, we should be encouraged and relieved because they're there to remind us what we deserve but what Jesus took on our behalf. All that punishment, all that wrath, all those curses were poured out on Jesus for you, for me and forever. The God we serve now isn't nicer than God back then. It only feels that way because the punishment, our punishment has been paid. And now we feel His mercy and love and peace because through Jesus' sacrifice now we have it. We have it. Anytime you read something in the Bible, you're like, yo, God is mean. God is is just. If somebody kills somebody, that person deserves to spend life behind bars. And if a judge doesn't announce that, he's an unjust judge. That's an unfair judge. That's an unrighteous judge. So God poured out all that wrath on Jesus. So now we have a nice version of God in the New Testament only because the punishment and the fine has been paid. That's what we feel and see. So you got to see it through that way. And if your eyes are rolling in the back of your head right now because this is too much study stuff, let me make it real simple for you, y'all. The Bible's main objective is not to inform you, it's to transform you. Yes. Yes. The Bible's just there to make your life that much better, to show you who God is, that He loves you, and to give you a better way of living, which is why the last two I'm going to hit real quick is listen, application. Application. You want to actually apply this word to your life because Matthew 7 says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them, someone say do it. Come on, say just do it. They will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. On the rock. You gotta do it. All right. So how do you apply it? Read slowly and ask questions. Read slowly and ask questions. This is what I love about this. I'm gonna give you the questions you can ask right now. We're gonna close in just a second, I'm gonna give you the nobody leaving yet. Look, you're gonna read slowly and ask questions. Here's the question. What does it say about God and what does it say about me? But if you want to get even more specific, we love acronyms here, so we got another one for you. It's called SPEC. 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 You'll see it. Look, is there a sin to confess or avoid? Is there a promise to claim? Is there an example to follow? Is there a command for me to obey? Is there something to know about God? I want you to pull out your phone if you can and take a picture of this right here, because this is what you want to be asking yourself while you're reading the Bible at home tonight is or in the morning, tomorrow morning when you're reading your Bible and you get across a verse, you're like, all right, is this something that, is there something in here, a sin I need to stop doing? Is there a promise for me to claim? Is there an example for me to follow? And each one is important. Each one can bless your life in a a very special way. Put it back up real quick because they're still taking pictures. would you Yeah, there you go. Something to know about God and it will change you, I'm telling you. And that last one, know about God, That may not sound like something that can really impact your life. What does knowing more about God do? Everything. I'm going to give you an example as I close. Ben, you can start playing. And um, let me me show you, and my last one, prayer here, prayer, I'm going to show you how knowing God can impact your life. The last step is prayer. Once you do the study and you read it and God has told you something to do, here's what you're going to pray. You're going to pray. Here are the last two fill in the blanks. You're going to pray it from my head to my heart and from my heart to my hands. A lot of people want to change their actions. We don't understand that the action is rooted in the heart. So when God changes our heart, then our actions follow. So God, I pray the thing I just learned goes from my head to my heart. And I pray that it goes from my heart to my hands. I want to live this thing out, Lord. I want to live this out. That's what that prayer is. Right, let, me, let me show you how this works. How many people last Sunday you did your one-year Bible plan? You did your one-year Bible plan. You started it last year, last week. Last week you started it, the one we did with the scan. All right, great. If you started the one-year Bible plan last Sunday, then I'm going to do a Bible study together with the church right now, and the verse that I'm going to use is the verse you read this morning. Or if you haven't gotten the two yet, the verse you will read today. All right? We're going to do a Bible study together and show you how all this context and stuff works. This is the verse in the plan, today's reading. Genesis 28, 10 through 12. Meanwhile, Jacob left Beersheba and traveled toward Haran. At sundown, he arrived at a good place to set up camp and stopped there for the night. Jacob found a stone to rest his head against and lay down to sleep. And as he slept, he dreamed of a stairway. Somebody say stairway. That reached from the earth up to heaven. And he saw the angels of God going up and down the stairway. Then he, Now, now this is important because I'm reading it and I'm confused, what's the stairway? Now, if you have the context, you can know what the stairway is. Now, a lot of people didn't go to Bible college. They don't, how do I find the context? I skipped the QR code, but I want you to put it on the screen real quick. The Life Church one, the one with the resources. There's a QR code you're going to put how to go deeper into your uh, Bible. If you scan that, it's a bunch of free resources. It's going to tell you how to, how to go deeper, how to find historical, cultural context, how to find other verses in the Bible that say, if you're not technologically savvy, here's one of my favorite books. This is called Haley's. Bible handbook and anytime you go to a passage that doesn't make sense, you can read about it and it will tell you the background of it, what was going on around that time who was living at that time, cultural things you have to do to understand, it's going to tell you what Riz meant back in the Bible, if you see a word in there that you don't know what it means, and so it's going to break it down for you, Haley's Bible Handbook, great book to have, they even have a kid's version that you can do with your kids to take them through it, so really cool resource. So I know the context, so now I'm sharing with you, so we're going to do the study together, I did my study, what is the stairway, what is the stairway, what well, John John 151, then he said, I'll tell you the truth, you will all see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on Jesus, the son of man. Jesus, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. Guess what? The stairway is not a what, it's a who. Jesus is the stairway, but it still doesn't help me because I don't know what a stairway is. I don't have a good visual in my mind of it. So then I did the cultural study of the word stairway. In the Hebrew, it's sulam. Say sulam. Sulam means, guess what, a better translation is. Not stairway but ladder. Someone say ladder. Now this helps me because I know, thank you Darren, I know what a ladder is. I've seen a ladder before, Yes. Yeah. Now that I have a visual and I've done the study, now I can start to apply the knowledge of God in my life because the Bible is telling me that Jesus is a ladder and he's my ladder connecting the blessings from heaven down to my existence here on earth, which is so helpful because even as a Christian, listen to me, even as a Christian, sometimes I don't feel like enough. But a ladder is designed for people who aren't tall enough to reach what they need, tall enough to receive what they need, tall enough not tall enough to get to the places that they need to go. That happens in my life all the time. I don't know if it happens in yours, like I'm a pastor, this is what I do, but on Saturday, Zane had his first basketball game, and we go to the basketball game. And there's a mom who's on the team, same team we are. That comes to journey. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. And the dad, I'm like, that's so cool. And so I got to meet them. We got to hang. And then when we left the gym, I asked my wife. I looked over. I was like, babe, like, was I pastor enough? I don't get it because I'm because I'm like because because I, I was just being dad in that moment. I didn't know like should I have leaned more into their life? Should I have asked more questions? Was I enough? Like, did I do my job good enough? Was I nice enough? Was I kind enough? Because as much as I love God, sometimes I still feel like I'm falling short. Can anybody relate? Am I praying hard enough? Am I reading hard enough? Am I loving my wife good enough? Am I being a good enough husband? Am I being a good enough dad? Am I being a good enough neighbor? I don't know. And every time that freaks me out and every time that gets into my heart and every time that anxiety tries to steal, you know what that verse did for me as I read it? I got to remember, you don't have to be enough. Jesus is enough. He's the ladder, so I don't have to be. I can just be me and let Jesus be Jesus and I lean on Jesus. And if there's any shortcomings in me, Jesus completes it. If there's any blessing that I can't get in my life in my own, Jesus can bring it in my life. And so when I have that revelation, then I begin to pray it into my life so that I can live it out in my life. So if you're in the room today, I want to do two prayers. This is my first prayer. Nobody leaving yet. We're about to wrap up. But if you're in this room today and you go, you know what? That's me. There are times when I don't feel like I'm enough. There are times when I feel short. There are times when I feel like I'm not good enough. I don't have enough skills. I don't have enough ability. I don't have enough talent. I don't have enough man. I, t- rest in Jesus. G- now you can live your life with confidence. Now you can live your life with security. Now you can put your shoulders back and your head up. Because in Christianity, you don't have to be enough. We got a ladder who is the enough for us, who completes our incompleteness, amen? So if that's you, I want you to, everyone in the room, just bow your heads, close your eyes. If that's you and you felt like that at times, like sometimes I don't feel like I'm enough, on a count of three, raise your hand real quick. God, listen, you can put it right down, one, two, three, raise your hand, sometimes I don't feel like I'm enough. I love that. You go ahead, put your hand down. Thank you. There' was probably 200 hands being raised because we can all relate. Now let's pray together. Let's move this information from our head to our hearts. I'm going to lead you, but you got to find your own words. Father God, we come together in this place, and sometimes I don't feel like enough. I don't feel like I'm good enough, smart enough, strong enough, wise enough. I don't got enough money, talent, ability, knowledge of the Bible even. But today I just was told that you're the latter. You can help me reach the things I can't reach, and so I'm going to stop depending on my own strength and I'm gonna start depending on your grace. I'm gonna start depending on your power. I'm gonna start depending on your mercy. I'm gonna start depending on your love. God, I pray that you would move that knowledge from my head to my heart where it gives me peace, where it gives me rest, where it calms the storms of my anxiety, and it gives me courage to step out into the world, assure that you are with me and always with me, amen. One more prayer, one more prayer. One more prayer. This one is for people who haven't been to church in a long time, for people who don't have a relationship with God, for people who were thinking about it, though. I was at the gym and this guy came up to me, he goes, hey, man, you're the pastor of Johnny Church. I was like, yeah. He goes, oh, my girlfriend goes to your church. At which he opened the door. And I was like, oh, your girlfriend goes? I said, well, would you like to come one day? And he goes, I'll come when I'm ready. When I get it all together, I'll be there. And I walked away from that conversation with my heart broken. Because he felt like church was a place that you go to when you have it all together. What I wish I'd have told him in that moment was church is where you go so that he can put it all together. Look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me real quick. You think Jesus is up there and you can't get there unless you're good enough. What you don't know is that Jesus is a ladder, and He will meet you right where you are. So you don't got to do it all in one step. You don't got to... Maybe maybe you just start coming to church with your girlfriend. Just start coming to church with your girlfriend, and you take the first step, because He's a ladder. And then maybe after three weeks, you sing your first song. You've been coming for three weeks, mouth been shut, but on week four, He will make a way you always makes the way I like that, I like that song I like the beat I like the beat On week five you actually put something in the offering plate You're like well you've been kind of good I'm going to drop you a ten piece real quick Thank you Jesus and then maybe three months after you started coming, is anybody here who wants to make a decision for Christ? I want you to raise your right hand. And sure enough, you're ready right there. God, I'm here, ready to give you everything. Ready to love you. Ready to meet you. I'm ready, Lord. I'm ready to give you my life. And it all worked because Jesus is a ladder who meets you in your sin and meets you in your doubt and meets you in your uncertainty and meets you in your shame and meets you in your brokenness and meets you in your loneliness and meets you in your emptiness. You don't got to get there. He came here. All you got to do is take the first step and then the second step and then the third step and then the fourth step. And one day you look back at this relationship with God and a marriage restored and finances in order wondering how did I get there. I didn't get there. He came here and got me and took me there. Jesus is the ladder who came to earth and I can see journey church today a ladder and the angels of god moving up and down the ladder of jesus today ready to bring anybody who wants it to heaven and every blessing who wants it to come right back down into your life jesus is the ladder would you stay standing all over this room this is my second prayer where it gets real right now. If you're far from God, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. If you're ready to change, I'm not asking you to transform overnight. I'm saying, I think God came down here so you could do that. Just that. And I think that right there is a prayer, Jesus, I'm ready to start following you, whatever that looks like. It's not going to be easy, I know, but I don't want to try, amen? One more time, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in this room today, and you wanna take that first step with Jesus, making the Lord and Savior of your life, give him a chance, I promise you, you will not regret it. On the count of three, I'd love it if you'd raise your right hand as a signal to God, take all of me, take all of me, Lord. I'm gonna try. One, I'm gonna take the first step. Two, I think I need you, because my way's not working all over this room. One, two. Three, I'm ready to try Jesus. I'm ready to try Jesus. I'm ready to try Jesus because the other stuff's not working. Come on, 20 different hands being raised right now. Amen. Proud of your courageousness. You can put your hand down. I want you to pray this prayer with me. Repeat it after me, whether you raise your hand or not. We don't let people pray alone here at Journey Church. Repeat this prayer with me. Say, Father God, Father God today, today I heard today. You're, a ladder. you're a ladder, and that. You came to me because I couldn't come to you. So here I am receiving the gift. Be the ladder in my life. Help me go where I can't go. Help me reach what I can't reach and receive what I can't receive. Today I make you not just my ladder, but my Lord and my Savior. Forgive me for my sins. Protect me from my future. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.